Section two of Sir Francis Drake by Julian Corbett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Chapter one The Reformation Man. Part two. It was a blow Drake never forgot nor forgave, but in the following year the attempt was not repeated, and he sought to recoup his shattered fortunes by serving in a voyage to Guinea. It was probably that under Captain George Fenner, and if so, he must have witnessed that brilliant engagement in which for two days with his own single ship and a pinnace, Fenner fought and finally drove off a great Portuguese galleas and six gunboats. It was the first action of a long and glorious series, and the news of it came most timely to add its inch to the lengthening stride of the epic for the Netherlands were sullenly turning upon their Spanish governor, the English Catholics were staring dumbfoundered at the blackened relics of Darnley's murder, and Elizabeth felt she could for the present snap her fingers at the Spanish ambassador and indulge in a little more buccaneering. It was her favourite investment. For her the risk was small and the hopes of profit too rosy to be resisted. It seems strange conduct for a great queen, but she had to encourage adventurous commerce on which in those days of a half-established navy england's maritime position depended the royal ships were merely a nucleus round which armed merchantmen gathered in time of war it was as natural for the queen to employ her ships in commerce while the realm was at peace as it was for shipowners to accept a charter party from the admiralty at the outbreak of a war the mercantile marine then formed what we should now call the naval reserve the situation was perfectly understood and recognized by both government and shipowners private cruisers were a necessity to every considerable owner he kept them as large firms now insure their own ships and at a time when the diplomatic system was not yet established a merchant who considered himself injured abroad had more faith in reprisals with his cruisers than in complaints to his government in such a state of things it is hardly to be wondered at that the line was not always very sharply defined between naval and commercial expeditions in the present case there is little doubt that both the hawkinses and elizabeth had scores to settle in connection with the la acha affair and the rough usage of the last expedition to guinea the queen's name of course did not appear it never did it was nominally a venture by sir william gerard and company in which the hawkinses were the largest subscribers the queen's contribution was two ships of war this was her usual practice they cost her nothing they had merely to be valued not often it would seem much below their worth and her majesty then stood as a shareholder to the extent of the valuation not a penny of cash was she wont to provide the company had even to fit out the ships for sea she had but little to lose and everything to gain and the temptation to filibuster under such terms is not difficult to appreciate such was the expedition which on october second fifteen sixty seven sailed out of plymouth with john hawkins as admiral and francis drake as pilot or second officer of his ship it consisted of the jesus and the minion of her majesty's navy and four other vessels which the company had chartered of the hawkinses in no way did it differ from a naval squadron 
it had its admiral its vice-admiral and its captain of the land forces it had every kind of munition of the latest type it even carried field artillery and its crews had been completed by the press gang the first rendezvous was fixed at the canaries and thence early in november the squadron sailed for the west coast of africa they were now well within the portuguese sphere of action and no time was lost in exacting reprisals for fenner's ill usage trade in these regions was carried on in vessels called caravels they were rigged and fitted like galleys with a lofty square poop and being of light draught they were admirably adapted for entering the rivers and inlets where the trade was done one of these was picked up before the squadron reached cape blanc and on the way to cape verde another was sighted it had been captured by a frenchman but this made no difference to hawkins the minion gave chase and took it without compunction it proved to be a smart new craft of one hundred and fifty tons and as two pinnaces had been lost in the foul weather that had prevailed it was permanently attached to the squadron and francis drake placed in command for three months the squadron continued on the coast hunting for negroes and portuguese caravels and drake in the grace of god was not behindhand in the landing and burning and cutting out it was work he could enjoy without compunction though he was as religious as hawkins himself and quite as humane the institution of the slave trade was the first genuine attempt at the abolition of slavery las casas himself the apostle of the indies the father of philanthropy had been its ardent advocate forced labor in the american mines and plantations was rapidly exterminating the natives by importing black labor from the pestilential heathendom of africa to the christian paradise in the west the saintly missionary thought not only to confer a temporal and spiritual blessing upon the negroes themselves but also to save the indians without ruining the colonists so fairly did the idea promise that it seemed an inspiration from heaven its evils of course soon pronounced themselves and philip had forbidden the trade except under special license from himself of this the english understood nothing and the old puritan captains went on hunting slaves just as they prayed and fought with all their heart and with all their strength and never knew a reason why they should not by the end of january some five hundred negroes had been collected and the squadron sailed for the spanish main the french captain seems to have been persuaded to join hands with hawkins for drake was transferred to the judith a bark of fifty tons and one of the original squadron in seven weeks they were lying off the island of margarita it was the depot from which were supplied the struggling settlements on the spanish main as the north coast of south america was then called and here in spite of the spaniards protests the fleet quietly revictualled it had now been five months at sea and in those days ships bottoms grew so quickly foul that it was already necessary to clean them with the same effrontery which marked their dealings at margarita the well-stored squadron put into a lonely little port somewhere between caracas and coro in the golfe triste and there for two months they stayed leisurely careening scraping and refitting their weather-beaten ships then trade began in earnest and as lawfully as might be it is a story that has been told more than once in the glorious and disreputable annals of british enterprise 
and not so long ago about opium on the coast of china the spaniards of course refused to buy negroes as the chinese refused to buy opium but hawkins knew it was only because of a stringent government order that they must pretend to obey he had only as a rule to urge the comity of nations and the old commercial treaties between england and spain for the spaniards to buy his dearly coveted wares if these arguments failed he had another which at la hacha was sure to be wanted thither the judith and another ship were sent and at once were fired on for five days they blockaded the port and then hawkins came round with the rest of the squadron the field guns and the two hundred musketeers were landed the defences stormed and the town cleared of spaniards at night they began to steal back to trade in secret governor and all and hawkins did not leave till he had thus sold two hundred negroes so the game continued till the ships were so loaded with gold and pearls that hawkins would not risk another action and sailed away northward to take up the gulf stream for the homeward voyage no sooner however had he passed the yucatan channel when two hurricanes shattered his fleet and drove it deep into the gulf of mexico to proceed was impossible without refitting and he boldly put into veracruz san juan de alua as it was then called was the port of the city of mexico itself and twelve large ships laden with gold and silver lay in the harbour waiting for the rest of the plate fleet and its convoy they were hourly expected and next day they arrived off the port to find it in the possession of hawkins the whole year's produce of the indies was thus at his mercy the galleons within the port were defenceless and the fleet outside must be utterly destroyed by the first gale unless he permitted it to enter never had such a draught been held to an englishman's lips but john hawkins was honest and discreet enough to resist the temptation and a formal convention was made by which the spaniards were to be allowed to come in and the english to refit hawkins scrupulously observed the terms of the agreement but don martin enriquez the new viceroy of mexico who was with the fleet had come out with special orders about that enemy of god john hawkins and he saw too well a road to high favour with philip for three days the english were suffered to dismantle their ships and then in spite of oaths and hostages and the sacred word of the viceroy as a gentleman and a soldier they were treacherously attacked though the surprise was complete a desperate resistance was made four spanish ships were sunk the flagship reduced to a wreck over five hundred of their men slain and at last it was only by fire-ships that hawkins could be dislodged the jesus the minion and the little judith were all that got clear and drake himself it is said only escaped by swarming on board along a hawser the rest of the ships were lost and so shattered was the jesus that she had to be abandoned with all the immense proceeds of the voyage crowded with the crews of the lost ships riddled with shot and only half victualled the minion and the judith began to stagger homewards while the spaniards enjoyed their ill-gotten success in all those wars it was by far the richest victory which the spaniards gained over the english and of all the most dearly purchased 
for not only did it win for philip and his perjured viceroy the mortal enmity of john hawkins and francis drake but it showed them the path to their revenge End of section two